0: The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more
1: coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and call the Committee of the Whole meeting for December 5th to order. Uh, let the record reflect a starting time of 5.30. And with that uh, being said, Claire, vote. Would you please take the room?
3: Councilmember Hussein. Here. Councilmember Wood? Here. Councilmember Spatifor? Here. Councilmember Spitzley? Here. Councilmember Garza? Here. Councilmember Jackson? Present. Councilmember Brown? Here. Councilmember Daniels? Present. Eight members present. You have full council.
2: All right, fantastic. That takes us to the minutes from
4: November 14, 2022. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. At this time, I would move the minutes of November 14th as written. All right, there's a motion on the floor for
2: the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to public comment on agenda items. We do have one presentation, uh, we have several resolutions as well as an ordinance, and uh, then we have a closed session to take a look at a few. Uh, different uh, contracts uh, with uh, different groups here in the city of Lansing. Uh, so with that being said, we will take public comment on a first come first serve basis. You have three minutes. Uh, we ask that you state your name, uh, both first and last for the record. And with that, uh, Loretta looks like you're first.
3: Loretta away and I'm just speaking in support of accepting the purchase agreement for the North Cemetery Outlaw, if you will call it that. Um, As you recall, the Friends Group uh, was in support of that and advocated for it all along, and we have stated all along that our expectations and hope would be involvement in the decision-making of how to spend that money when the time came. We have all stated all along, too, that our expectations would be first for a sign, a new entrance sign. That is already in place. Um, We hope to see uh, surveillance cameras, not expensive ones, but inexpensive trail cams. We hope to see solar lighting. And we hope to see the arch foundations repaired or replaced as needed so that Jeremy's group can put the uh, reconstituted or refurbished uh, arch back up. And uh, we hope also to uh, see a ground penetrating radar survey done so that we can then get in there and start doing restoration projects on monuments, markers that are downed or dislodged or broken and in need of repair. Um, Things like uh, tree stumps and trees I think are an issue, but for the majority of people that we hear from that are disappointed in the conditions in the cemetery, that is one of their last concerns. Um, And I think that rightly comes from the city budget as a regular routine maintenance issue. So the things that they talk about when they contact us and say they're disappointed in the conditions in the cemetery are things like trash, which the surveillance cameras and solar lighting would help alleviate, uh, broken and uh, disrepaired monuments and things of that nature. So that's where our emphasis will be. And as I said, we hope to be um, involved and it's our hope and expectation that we will be. And that's it. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Do we have anybody else uh, wishing to make public comment?
5: All right. Mr. Lynn, come on up. Usually I got more time to prepare for this, but uh, I think I- just really concerned about the home ARP allocation plan, and I think I asked previously if this was already allocated funds. And I hope you guys have conversation about this, but I know I'm not going to get another chance to talk. Uh, if there's been funds already allocated for this, is this like we're just talking about what's what's already been done, or if we're talking about what needs to be done? Um, obviously, with what's going on in Rooter Park and the conversations around the 24-hour shelter uh, is is huge. And with 2.7 million dollars, I can find we can find some money in there somewhere. Uh, to do something, given the fact that that, um, as far as the presentation, I'm sure it'll be done here today, notes that uh, um, non-congregate shelters is something that's listed in there is something that needs to be uh, done and allocated for. Um, Outside of that, just when you guys talk about allocating this, and I hope again that I'm not way off base because this money's already been spent, but if it hasn't, uh, maybe somebody can give me a nod, a yes it's been spent, no it's, okay, perfectly. that we don't just do the same old, uh, you know, rubber stamping and send the money off to the same individuals again. I mean, this is something that it seems like we would get a hang of that uh, where we've been allocating funds to, although it may be good for maintaining status quo, status quo is not good enough at this point. So we need to start figuring out outside of the box of how to allocate funds so that we get things done. And maybe there's gaps, maybe there's holes. I mean, obviously the emergent, uh, acute nature of you know, temperatures dropping below 10 degrees is, is something that maybe somebody who does substantial work in housing individuals who go through the paperwork process, doesn't have a problem with that, but they can not affect change there. So let's find some gaps that we can fill with 2.7 million and not just flood it to the same environment. Uh, but I look forward to hearing how you guys have to talk on that. And then secondary to that, since I got a minute left, um, I've asked questions also, where our money goes? Uh, we got a budget of almost i don't know 300 million dollars or more and you know we get percentages it tells us 15 percent were here 45 percent went there but uh i was looking at the line items today and the budgeted line item for the mayor's office was 1.7 million dollars and you know in in employees and so on and so forth and i ran into at router park today or yesterday or saturday i'm sorry uh, old friend Samantha Harkins, and I was figuring I was wondering like, is she still on payroll for ninety thousand dollars a year as a contractor? Where is this money going? who is holding accountability to where it 's going who 's asking the right questions uh, who 's doing any of that to find out? I think about from us as a nonprofit if they want a budgeted line item of how we spend money, we have to give it to them specifically, who cut the check, where the check went, who cashed it? I would love to see that type of information coming out of this uh, the city budget. So if you don't have that answer, if we could find that out, direct me to the right place. Uh, Treasurer Desiree showed up to a, a financial meeting and said that all this was easily available online. I can't find it anywhere and I'm pretty good at research. So I'd love to hear some conversation on that too, thanks.
2: Thank you. Do we have anyone else uh, interested in public comment? All right, seeing none, that takes us to uh, item number five. This is the presentation. Uh, pertaining to a substantial amendment for fiscal year 2020, 2021 annual action plan to include home ARP allocation plan. We have both our senior planner, Doris Witherspoon with us, uh, as well as uh, one of our development managers, who is Barb Kimmel. Uh, So as they come down into the well, it looks like I do have a quick question. Uh, Councilwoman Spicely.
6: Thank you, Mr. President. I don't have a quick question, um, but just to kind of give some context. um, A couple weeks ago, when this first was out for public comment, Barb was in the audience and um, she wasn't, she didn't give an opportunity to um, speak on this. So we had her at our ad hoc committee on housing and safety and what she's doing with this and what she's doing in general is is actually eye opening. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's important for us to ask her, to ask the questions. One of the questions is, um, you know who is the fiduciary for some of the grant dollars that are now coming through that used to be in HRCS? Barb is doing that now, and so it's really interesting that her office is taking on a lot of responsibility. And, and but the the presentation um, that um, she's getting ready to do was supposed to be done a couple weeks ago, and and there apparently was a mix up on whether or not she's going to do the presentation, but. Um, and Councilmember Brown, please jump in. But her, it was it was extremely eye-opening. And so I'm glad that we've had the opportunity for her to come and talk about what she's doing, what this $2.7 million is for before we actually act on it in the end. And so that we can ask questions of her. So thank you for that opportunity. No, thank you.
2: Um, and, and I certainly appreciate the interest in the presentation. That did come from, from your committee, so we appreciate that. Uh, for my council colleagues, if you look in your packets, this is item B, uh, so there's quite a bit there. Um, you have a presentation, you also have the resolution that we are looking to adopt, because uh, in order to, my understanding, uh, is to submit this allocation plan, we actually have to adopt, adopt a resolution um, approving the substantial amendment. So with that being said, I'm going Good to turn the floor over to looks like maybe Barb first. All right, Ms. Kimmel, go ahead.
0: Hi, I'm hoping you guys can hear me. I'm Barb Kimmel, the development manager, and I have with me Doris Witherspoon. She is the senior planner in our department, and we're here to talk about the HOME ARP allocation that the City of Lansing is receiving from HUD. This is an allocation of just over $2.7 million, and it has been allocated as part of the HOME program. And so that's an important point to note and we'll get into why in a little while. So we're here to asking you this evening, we're presenting this information and then we're asking you to um, approve the substantial amendment so that we can go ahead and submit our allocation plan to HUD and uh, begin to use these dollars Um, regarding the home ARP funding there are there's a narrow window of eligible activities that we can use these dollars for Uh, we can use them for home ARP rental housing development we can use them for tenant-based rental assistance TBRA which is vouchers can I stop you just for a
2: second City TV, if you can hear me, we are at this point on slide number three. That's
0: me. I'm supposed to be, but I can't. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Thank you. As long as we get it
2: handled, it's all good. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we can use these funds for rental housing, for tenant-based rental assistance, supportive services, non-congregate shelters, nonprofit operating and capacity building assistance, and, and there's a cap for that fund. And then also administration and planning, and there's a cap for that fund as well.
2: Can I, can I stop you just for a minute,
0: oh,
6: uh,
2: Councilwoman Spitzley, Go ahead.
6: Thank you, um, Barbara. Can you talk a little bit, explain to me what tenant-based rental assistance is, please?
0: Sure. Uh, TBRA is voucher, though that's vouchers. We can utilize this money to create uh, housing vouchers for um, the qualifying populations that will have access to the housing that's created utilizing these dollars. Um, just so everybody knows, we did not include in our budget any funding for tenant-based rental vouchers because there already is uh, enough vouchers out there. So when we get to the budget overview.
6: I have one more question to follow up on that though. So you're saying there are already vouchers out there. so. This rental assistance, is this to, um, one of the things that I've been asking is, is there a way that we can provide incentives to landlords to accept vouchers? Because we hear time and time again that people who get these vouchers can't find um, folks to accept them. So would a program like this be able to be used to offer incentives to have landlords take vouchers. That's the first question. Then the second thing is you're saying there are already vouchers, enough vouchers out there. So then this tenant-based
0: rental, explain to me then how this marries into that. Sure. Thank you. Absolutely. So when we think about home ARP activities um, and we think about what's eligible, we have to think about these, these eligible spending categories as being tied to the development. So, as we get further into this, we're going to see um, that when we talk about these funds, um, one of the one of the things that we're proposing is the development of permanent supportive housing for the homeless. And so, supportive services funding under utilizing these dollars will be utilized at those addresses for those specific clients. We can't take this money and. And utilize it in a different address. It, so I hope that might answer both of your questions. Well, as far as you as far as far as the TBRA um, and how other vouchers marry with this, these funds are are for development and they are able to be utilized along with Mishta's home ARP allocation, and in in Lansing, that allocation in this um, region is, I think, $3.6 million, and then there is another um, fund, the HCDF fund, I believe that's what it's called, and there's $400 set aside for this region as well. So if we combine those funds and these funds, we have a, a really nice you know, $5.6 million fund that we'll be able to utilize here in this region to create permanent housing for the homeless or, and um, some non-congregate shelter. Um, these funds are also able to be used and meant to be used with LIHTC funding as well. So we're really talking about development with these funds.
2: Uh, we have Alrighty. another question? Councilman Jackson.
7: Thank you. Uh, just cause I kind of scrolled ahead and didn't see definitions and that's kind of what we're talking about. Can you um, explain more about the congregate shelters and the supportive services? For example, what are some examples of supportive services? Why is the proposed amount 300,000, which is similar to the administration and planning amount, and also, since $500,000 is probably not enough to build a new shelter, what, if anything, are plans to like increase that capacity?
0: Right. So I can tell you that supportive services funding can be used widely to assist the people that live, that are going to live in this housing with the support that they need to function. So it can cover uh, mental health services, it can cover life skills, uh, employment, um, support. There are all kinds of, of uses that are eligible for these supportive services funds. Remember they're meant to stay with the development and work with the residents. So, and, and I think you had asked about why supportive services was three hundred. Was it three hundred thousand dollars? And administration and planning is two hundred and seventy-eight thousand um, dollars. All I can I can tell you that that we expect the developers of the housing that gets developed with these funds to also bring some money to the table. Um, you know, we have the MISHTA funds, we have the Litech funds, those can also um, pay for supportive services as well as development. So this is not the only supportive services dollars that you're going to see in these developments. And as far as our administration and planning. Um, we were capped at 15%. We're only setting aside 10% for administration and planning.
7: And then just the last one about the congregate shelters. Would it be the idea to add money to an existing, to build a new one? How do you expand the capacity for an aggregate shelter?
0: Right. So non, so this is...
7: Non-congregate right. shelter. Right.
0: Sorry. So I just want to say what non-congregate shelter means is that... Um, so. Uh, let's say a family is sheltered in a non-congregate shelter, that family needs to have a separate sleeping space and a separate bathroom. If it's a single person that's in a non-congregate shelter, then that single person needs to have a separate sleeping space and a separate bathroom. This idea of non-congregate shelters grew out of COVID-19. And so that's where that comes from. And so what's going to happen with these with these dollars is that we are, while our plan is being being reviewed by HUD, once you approve it, it goes to HUD for review, what we will be doing is writing a RFQP and developers, local organizations, shelters maybe, will be coming to provide us with their response to that RFQP and if if, there is a, someone who wants to develop non-congregate shelter, it could be at a local shelter that's existing, or it could be uh, developing a new shelter, then they're gonna have to, to present those ideas for to us and they're gonna have to have um, budgets and everything for those opportunities.
2: All right, uh, we do have Councilman Garza and
8: then Vice President Wood. Thank you, council president. This goes along the same lines. I'm sorry, that you haven't even presented the whole slide, but it just made me think of something. Um, you know, I see the first two uh, proposed budget line items and they're, you know, an even number. All the other ones, you know, are uh, pretty random. So I'm just wondering, have you already, did you already reach out to different groups and get estimates? Is that how these numbers are, you know, so specific?
0: Nope, okay. I did not, nope.
8: Okay, so none of this money is gonna go to
4: backfill any previous payments already? Nope. Okay, thank you. Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussain. Um, Barb, you've uh, repeatedly used the word um, development. Is this, could this also be tied to someone coming forward and asking for a pilot? Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
2: Thank you. All right, if you want to proceed with uh, your presentation.
0: Okay. Sure. I Thank think you. I'm on slide four. Okay. So so remember we, we talked about very specific eligible activities that we can accomplish with these dollars. Um, we have to accomplish these activities for very specific populations. There are specific ARP qualifying populations and they include the homeless, those at risk of homelessness, persons fleeing or attempting to flee domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, stalking, or human trafficking, persons at the greatest risk of housing instability, which means at or below 30% of AMI, or at or below 50% of AMI and at risk of homelessness. And then finally, veterans or families of veterans (coughs) that meet criteria one through four. So we're talking about specific activities aimed at specific populations, the most vulnerable populations in our city. So we're bringing the substantial amendment to you. We have. done consultation with required groups and we have um, also had a required 15 day comment period. And we are at the end, well, we were at the end of that comment period on November 14th. And so tonight we're looking for, for your vote. Um, We did, in that consultation, identify the priority needs and they include increasing the supply of affordable housing development through the production of new rental units, shelter facilities through the development of non-congregate shelter, homeless prevention assistance through supportive services such as utility assistance, employment assistance, and case management, once again provided at the units that were developed with these funds. And then capacity building and organizational development through nonprofit operating and capacity building assistance for qualifying organizations that want to perform some of these activities and need some capacity building assistance. And so as we discussed earlier, everybody has seen the proposed budget, we have set aside Um, funds for the development of affordable rental housing, supportive services, the acquisition and development of non-congregate shelters. We have set aside nonprofit operating funds, nonprofit capacity building funds, and um, administration and planning dollars. So... If you have any more questions, I'm happy to answer them. That's the presentation. And this is quite an undertaking. And I'm looking forward to working with these funds and helping the citizens.
2: <coughs> All right. So I do see some hands up. We're going, we, sorry, we are going to go first to Councilman Daniels. We then have Councilman Brown and Councilwoman Smith. Councilman Daniels, go ahead.
9: Thank you, President Hussein. And thank you, Barb, for the
2: presentation. Uh, my question is, and, and Jeremy kind of asked it. Um, these numbers are very specific. Can you explain how you came up with them?
0: How I came up with them? Yes. Let's see if I can remember because this, <laughs> this was weeks ago. So we know that um, three of the, three of the um, budget items are capped. And so that's, what, that's where you start. So you start with your capped items and you decide. We decided to take 10%. Of admin and planning, and so this was the number, and it gave you an odd number, and yeah. then um, and then we have nonprofit capacity building, um, and that is also an odd number, and then the nonprofit operating is also an odd number, and then if you take a look at the other two numbers or the other three numbers of the funding that we set aside, um, the majority of that funding goes to the development of affordable rental housing. Um, supportive services, and acquisition and development. So that's why there are weird yeah. numbers that aren't all round numbers because because when you do a budget, you go backwards from Perfect. from your caps. You.
2: I
10: appreciate it. All right, Councilman Brown. <clears throat> Thank you, President Hussein. Thank you so much for being here this evening. It's good to see you again. Uh, we had quite a conversation in the ad hoc uh, committee on housing residential safety on November 18th. And it was eye-opening. I really appreciate all the information that you afforded us at that time. A concern that we brought up during that committee was the fact that 2.7 million, you know, while it is, um, you know, a good amount of financial resources, would not meet the need of the entire city. And so, uh, could you clarify that these funds we were talking about—current funds that have already been allocated—human uh, relations, community services funds that if this budget was approved, it just would not be washed away kind of to meet gaps in needs of, you know, when they're saying that they have needs in the services that we're already funding. Um, that would be my first question.
0: Yep, absolutely, and they do have needs, but once again, these funds for supportive services are going to be tied to these addresses and this population, and so they will be not mixed with the other funding that is allocated through other avenues. We are managing the MISTA ESG funding. Uh, HRCS is managing other um, homeless funding. And- uh,
10: So it was our understanding that HRCS managed the ESG funds. Could you elaborate on that please?
0: uh, The city of Lansing HRCS department was managing the um, ESG, MISHTA ESG funding. Oh, our regular ESG funding? No, the, okay, so you want you, to know about exactly the mixture. That's what you were asking. Or right. Oh. Yep. So,
10: this was from the committee that we were speaking on.
11: So, cuz there are different parts of. Can
3: you e- the we,
5: microphone over to- oh. oh, I'm
11: sorry about that. No, I was just going to say I I thought Councilman Brown was referring to the regular ESG funding. Okay, he's referring to the mixture. ESG funding. I okay, just want to clear. Oh. Thank you so much. <laughs> it can be kind of confusing. It, it, it really can.
0: So our department receives uh, ESG funds from HUD, which we pass over to HRCS. Um, HRCS also received um, ESG funds from MISHTA that they were uh, working with the COC to, to allocate. And those funds were COC funds. The COC had decided that they wanted to find a new fiduciary and um, no one stepped forward to take the role of that fiduciary. So we, our department, uh, submitted a, well, a letter of interest and now we are the fiduciary for the MISTA ESG funding. The
10: the C L C. could you um, clarify what that oh, is? Oh, I'm
0: sorry. That's the Continuum of Care in Lansing, the organization or the group of organizations that provide homeless services. S-
10: such as, um, could you list some of the providers that are part of the COC? Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll have Doris. Okay, I
11: served on the Continuum of Care or C L C um for more than 20 some years but now i'm just uh, attend the meetings but uh we have a variety of organizations like uh holy cross uh avon house ministries um saint
10: vincent
11: uh capitol area housing okay
10: thank you so, much. so those are our service providers that are mm-hmm. currently doing Right. So you made a comment, um, Barb, that the COC asks for a different fiduciary? Yes. Why?
0: That's not something that I can answer. I I don't have that answer. I think that that question would be better posed to the COC.
10: Okay. and then your or your department, I don't see why that's something that it's like this. We no longer want to provide this service, and then now you guys are the, the department that is the fiduciary. So there has to be a, a reasoning why there was a shift. How long has HRC been, been the fiduciary over those funds?
0: I'm not sure how long HRCS had been the fiduciary over those funds. I'm not sure. Would North you know because you
10: were on the board for 20 years?
0: <laughs> they, I know
11: that they've been providing the Mista uh, ESG funds for several years. I mean, they with uh, our ESG program. I mean, from as far as I've been here <clears throat> twenty-eight years, and so I know that they've been doing the regular ESG for that amount of time. But for the Mista ESG, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's been several years. And I know HRCS uh, manages so many. Uh, grants, you know the general funds, the Mr. ESG, and and also
10: how large is the ESG um, program, if you will? Which one are the you? The one that's been shifted. The
11: Mr. ESG. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, it's about two. I think it's about two point something million dollars. So
10: yeah. So. Um, that, that's the concern as far as accepting another budget for me, um, an additional program. You guys have a program. Have you expanded your department? Because I know the, f- the funding and capacity to deliver this program was supposed to be with HRCS. So if this is a change, um, how has the departments made a shift to make sure that we're delivering services? My uh, concern has always been as a community person for several, several years is making sure that resources get to the people. And so that's that's where, if you're saying now something has shifted from one department to another, what shift within the departments has been made to make sure that the fiduciary responsibility um, to deliver the services is, is done appropriately uh, with um, swift intent and care to the people.
0: I'm happy to answer that. Um, Doris Witherspoon is an expert, and she has she has worked in the HRCS department briefly uh, processing FSR requests for the Mishnah ESG program. And so when the ESG program came to us, uh, Doris was in charge is now in charge of managing that program and she is working on those job duties along with her other job duties. And I think she's finding it challenging but So far, we're keeping up. Uh, She's receiving assistance from another staff member. um, And uh, we're working to ensure that our staff is not overwhelmed by work and also that they're uh, fairly compensated for what they do.
10: So there's, thank you so much for that. So there's several million dollars and if we add 2.7, let's say about four to five million dollars with yourself and one staff member, that's concerning with the amount of people that we have to serve. With that being said, um, leading to my question would be, and thank you so much for the time, Council, is if you if you're working now with the C.O.C. and you have these new funds, and it sounds like it's the same provider getting the additional services, we're saying that we're not using these funds to you know kind of build build in other needs, but are we using the same service providers? Because then it really is kind of adding to. Challenges that we have with the same providers?
0: Well, I just, I, first of all, I want to point out regarding your budget concern um, our administration and planning budget that we have proposed here $278,000 that would pay for additional staff if we find that we need additional staff to administer these supportive services on top of the existing supportive services that we're administering. Um, I do want to say one thing, and that's that all of these funds are not going. Excuse me, all of these supportive services funds are not going to go out the door all at once. They're going to be, um, they're going to be, spent over probably a six, five or six-year period of time, and um, then whoever the service provider is or service providers are will then be billing us for those funds and and we will be ensuring that those funds are properly spent before we disperse payment Um, as far as who is going to be the service providers for these dollars at these developments I can't tell you who that will be that will be someone that the developer will have to um propose and then we will ensure that that developer or excuse me that that service provider has the capacity to provide these the needed supportive services. I'm really excited about this. The supportive services that can be provided are are wide ranging and oftentimes when you're dealing with a population that is in distress, um, you're always dealing with the immediate needs. The immediate needs, food, shelter, clothing. This is an opportunity for us to Take a step back and look forward, and thinking, think about a, a permanent, housing, permanent supportive housing situation for many, many people in Lansing that that need it at this time. Yes,
10: thank you so much.
0: And just Can following what statement,
10: uh, Councilman
11: Brown, I just just wanted to clarify something here with the mission ESG and uh, our our regular uh, ESG. It, it, all of the processes, they go through an application process. And so um, our department, we submitted the MSHDA application for the upcoming year, but we're taking care of things that's happening right now. But with MSHDA ESG and also the uh, HUD ESG, all of that funding goes before the continuum of care they uh, review all of the proposals and make all of the decisions. So these are homeless uh, providers at the table making the decisions on what is needed in this community. So that's how they make the decisions on anything. So they vote on this and then uh, that's how the, you know.
10: uh, Are the ones that are making the decisions as you define, are they also receiving the funds? we try not to is that are they receiving funds they
11: we the people that are making the decision i think they try not to have but do those they that receive are the funds the the they they some of them may be on the board but we try to make sure that people that are making the decisions are not the recipient of the trying
10: funds. but are they currently in real life so the CLC, if they're making the decisions about who gets the funds, is some of those groups who are making the decisions receiving the funds. I think they have to abstain from voting. I understand um, I'm just asking the question. So do they yes or no? I think some of them may be armed. Do they yes or no? Currently some of them yes. Thank you. <coughs> um, and then we were talking about tenants-based rental assistance, uh, that, there's a, that there's enough vouchers. What is the current wait list for the vouchers?
0: Well, when you talk about a waitlist for vouchers, those are those are wait, those are vouchers that are um, not this type of a voucher. Okay. Okay. So, with these with these units that will be developed, they will be going to Mishda, and they will be requesting vouchers.
10: So, everybody living in these developments would be voucher based, basically. So, this would be. Uh, basically a, let's say if there's 50 or 100 units of all homeless people who are not currently working and requesting, um, I think to uh, Councilman Wood's point, a pilot for supportive housing, kind of put everybody who's not working in one place or is this, uh, you know, like a mixed use development?
0: So it depends on what a developer brings us. I do not, first of all, I don't anticipate creating 100 units. Um, and it's not our intent to build a hundred-unit building and fill it with a bunch of a bunch of homeless people. I don't think that's healthy for anyone. But what we will be doing is asking for proposals from qualified developers, and we'll be evaluating those proposals. And we want to make sure that um, we are not, you know, warehousing people or creating an environment where where they can't thrive. It's our intent to ensure that these people thrive. We want to make the best use of these dollars that we can.
10: Thank you so much, and thank you so much for the time.
2: Absolutely. Uh, We now have Councilwoman Spitzley and then Councilman Jackson.
6: Thank you, Mr. President, and Barb, um, I really appreciate that you and Doris are doing this. Um, Your passion at the committee, the ad hoc committee, to do the right thing and and your passion here. Um, I'm really excited and and it seems to me that the funds are in good hands. Um, I have a couple I just have a couple questions. So one of them is, is kind of a statement. So this two point seven million dollars, you know, it, it, it is it is almost seed money, I would think, because you're you're looking for that developer to um, develop this this group of housing, this 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 pilot program, or I, thought, I don't pilot's not a good word. Carol, don't bristle at me. <laughs> this 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 um oh this this introductory program <laughs> that would house a certain subset. Um, and and then provide these support services for this for this for this um, subset of the population. And so the two point seven million really is a stepping stone to um, to, to to the realization of, of this structure. So I I think that's great. Um, so so I, so I get that, and I get that you're going to send out RFQs, and you're going to get a developer, and 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 um, put together this this living space um, for this subset of people. And that's basically what this $2.7 million is is, is supposed to be doing. Um, I, I'm gonna ask you, though, um, about what uh, Councilman uh, Brown talked about. And I know, Doris, um, Ms. Witherspoon, you did uh, assist HRCS in some of their building because it, it, it's no secret that this council has had some concerns and have heard concerns from a number of groups in the city of Lansing that they aren't getting their bills paid. And, and when they're operating on such a small margin, you know when it, when you submit your reports, they're not getting timely payment. And we also had this conversation with HRCS during budget time. and one of the things that they said was that they needed additional staff and I think during budget time they were given, additional dollars for additional staff. And so that's where um, Councilman Brown's concern comes in is that if this money is now shifted over to your area, then the staff that's now in HRCS, um, where does it go and does it go to your area? So, um, so you know, this money comes through, the COC reviews it, um, but, at the end of the day, you guys are responsible for reimbursing these, these groups who come in and um, you know request payments. So are you guys up to date right now? Or are you Because you said you're doing some of the stuff now. Are you up to date and paying people back now or are you still having some lag time?
0: Well, I can tell you that we're up to date with the FSRs that we have received. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean we we're constantly receiving them, so I'm not going to tell you that no, no I that get there it. aren't some in process, but but, but we're you are not.
6: up to date right oh, yeah. now.
0: Yes, okay, mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I like to hear,
6: and so again, that makes me a lot more makes me feel a lot better that that mm-hmm. program is in your area. I am concerned that at some point there's going to be a staffing issue. There's a lot of stuff, and as you look at it, um, this two point seven million dollars this three hundred thousand dollars. Um, I'm hoping isn't going to also be used to add additional staff to address the the, the, uh, Mishta ESG Dollars so during budget time I hope we have a conversation and you guys have by then understand what your staffing needs are going to be to continue to Effectively do what you do. So thank you for doing it. Um, I haven't heard any uh, complaints that there, people aren't getting paid, so apparently you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So yes, if it's Doris, Doris, thank you very much because that was, that was very important to me, thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, Councilman Jackson.
7: Thank you, Mr. President. I have two questions. Um, I guess I'll ask them one at a time. The first one, you mentioned that there was a consultation with required groups and you talked about groups at the table. I think we've heard some of them, maybe Advent House, maybe Holy Cross. I don't wanna put in the words in your mouth, but can you rattle off a list of the groups that you remember um, as required groups for consultation?
0: We have a list. It's actually in, um, it's in the draft.
6: So, Brian, we got, I think we got, I, I think we got
7: that draft. Report. Oh, okay. So do you need me to? No. I, well, I guess, well, how many is on there? Because I think people would want to okay, know. Yes. A lot? Okay, it looks like over 20 or so. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right, so next question is, when you talk about trying to use the money best for these populations, and there's a list that's on there that you mentioned, it's like fleeing from domestic violence, at risk of homelessness, homelessness defined by the mckinney vento Act, um, people at greater risk. So I guess when I look at the total, 2,784,000, well one we can acknowledge that's not enough to really take care of the problem, but then when half of it, over half of it is going to the development of affordable rental property, um, housing, I know that there is a need, I've spoke on that, we've all spoke on that, however, we don't always pass affordable housing with a pilot. And if this is gonna come with a pilot, one, why do we think it's gonna pass? And two, for the people that's listed, the homeless and all those um, categories, do you or anybody think that they can afford $500 a month, for example? That's probably even more affordable than these developments can come, so one, why do we think that homeless people can, can meet affordable rental property over hundreds of dollars a month? And two, couldn't we just put that one million something into either supportive services, acquisition of congregate shelters or nonprofit capacity building because that would probably help and serve the homeless population that we wanna serve Better since they can't afford rental property necessarily. Not, not everybody, but five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, which is what's deemed affordable. I think the last time we spoke, um, is not obtainable. And two, even with the RFP, and they come back with a pilot or over or anything like that, you know that's still got to go through the process. So, is there any? I guess what's the thought on the one million five hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars in the development of affordable housing that? we may or not, may not pass, people may or may not be able to afford, opposed to the more direct services.
0: Right, so this was, when we did the consultation with all of those groups, the, um, the, the uh, development of, of affordable rental property was the number one need, which was why we decided that we would fund that, okay? And the um, occupants of any property that is permanent supportive housing that is developed with these funds will have vouchers, so they will not be paying five, six, seven hundred dollars a month in rent. They will have vouchers that will that will cover the majority of the cost, and uh, also these funds could be used for utilities and things like that. Um, and then regarding why we would try to do this when having a pilot is or getting a when we know that these funds are going to come from a developer that wants a pilot and needs a pilot in order to have these funds uh, pencil so that they can make this development work, um, that's a a challenge. I'm ready to, to do that. I'm ready to bring you the best development that I can bring you and I'm ready to ask you for that pilot when we have it. And if you don't want to take advantage of these funds, you want to prove it, or you wait till the next one. Uh,
7: just a little follow-up sure. on that. Um, so, what would the one million five hundred thirty-nine thousand do to help offset the developer that may or may not ask for the pilot? Um, because that's kind of a splash compared to you know some of the development costs that we've heard for you know mid-size, even small-size affordable housing complexes, and two. Is the voucher the same as the HUD voucher, the Section 8 voucher, or is it something different?
0: I believe it's something different from that. Um, the funding for creation of affordable, permanent, supportive housing is meant to be married with the other available funds out there, the two MISTA sources and the LITEC funds. So if if developers utilize these funding sources as a package, then we can get a really good development.
7: And I guess just last, I would say for the record to consider moving that money into some of those other, other, other listed needs.
0: So if I'm trying to decipher what you're saying, what it sounds to me like is that you would prefer if we chose a short-term solution over a long-term solution?
7: Well, if you didn't take over half of the money and put it into the development of affordable rental housing, which, again, is, may or may not happen, and that's such a little drop. And yes, put it towards um, some of the short-term, but I would also say acquisition and development of non-congregate shelters is also long-term because that shelter would stay there just to consider or talk about, you know, if over half of it is a good move to put towards the developer in the future who will use other funds and then come maybe before the council and hope for the best.
0: Right. Um, Like I said, we did consult with agencies and creation of affordable permanent supportive housing was the number one need, and that's why we allocated the majority of the funding. Um, When we do an RFQP, developers are going to tell us basically what portion of the funding they want to use for what, and it's not going to read like this budget does. I can tell you right now that the real world is not going to match with this, and we're gonna probably have to come back to you for an amendment. It could be that somebody wants a million dollars for the development of non-congregate shelter, and it could be that somebody wants um, a half a million dollars for permanent supportive housing. Where the developers are the experts at stitching all of these funding sources together to create the packages that work the best. And so um, we're gonna we're gonna do the very, very best we can.
2: All right, we appreciate that. I believe we have one additional question, and I think we. At that point, we'll be able to move on. Vice
4: President Wood. Um, Barb, is this one-time funding and, okay. It is, yes, one-time funding. All right. And is it to be utilized in one fiscal year or two fiscal years?
0: We have a while to spend this funding all the way down, but we need to get the plan approved and we need to get the projects that we choose underway. Yep, and so when you th- if you're thinking about supportive housing, like I said, that, those funds are going to go out as, as, as the funds are needed. Um, the development will wanna get these funds going.
2: And just very quickly, can you okay. define a while, earlier you referenced five, six years, is there, in terms of spending this money
0: down? It's not 23. It's not. Um, yes, like I said, the, um, there is a deadline to spending these funds all the way down. And it may be close to 2029. I think it might be 2029. Um, but like I said, it sounds far away, but it's not. And so when we're talking about um, a development, if we're talking about a permanent supportive housing development, that's going to take several years to, to, get, to get up, developed, and built, and occupied. Um, and then we'll be supplying the funding for the supportive services at that time. So we really want to, we do not wanna delay. All right, thank you.
2: So Ms. Witherspoon and Ms. Kimmel, uh, we we certainly appreciate you. You held up very well in the hot seat. Um, I thought there were great questions, but frankly, um, I thought the answers were just as good. Uh, regardless of where the vote falls, I think folks have the information they need to make an educated vote, so thank you. Thank right. you. Um, that takes us to item, let's see, C, sorry. This is uh, for discussion action. This is the resolution uh, pertaining to what we just discussed, the substantial amendment fiscal year 2020. 2021 Annual Action Plan to include Home ARP Allocation Plan. And I do not believe uh, further discussion at this point is necessary. So I will turn the floor over to Vice President
4: Wood. I would move the resolution at this point and this would be on for passage this evening.
2: All right, so there is a resolution, uh, I'm sorry, a motion on the floor uh, to approve the resolution. Further discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. All right, motion carries. Uh, We are now going to move to discussion action item D. Uh, This is the fiscal year 2022-2023 first quarter budget and vacancy report. Uh, We do have our deputy finance director, Joe McClure with us, as well as our finance director and uh, treasurer, Desiree Kirkland. Uh, So we appreciate both of those individuals coming down into the well and joining us. Uh, What we're going to do is take a look at, um, in terms of our first quarter, uh, projected revenues versus our actual revenues, projected expenditures versus actual expenditures, uh, as well as our uh, first quarter uh, vacancy report. So with that being said, I am going to turn the floor over first to Mr. McClure. Be? All right, fantastic. You have the floor. Uh, may I introduce our new budget analyst? Yes, you may. Thank you. Oh, yep, let's make sure the mic is on. Yeah, thank you so much.
9: With us is uh, Jackson Mills, the new uh, budget anal- analyst for the city. Jackson.
8: Pleasure to be all of you, I'm Jackson Mills. Uh, previously I worked in Section 8 housing contract administration, and before that I worked for four years for the City of East Lansing, so I'm happy to be here.
2: All right, we appreciate that.
9: The, uh, the first quarter budget uh, report uh, showed that the budget is looking fine at the end of the first quarter. It's not a lot of uh, a lot of un- a lot of uh, events that occurred during the first quarter. Mr. McClure,
2: can I stop you just for a second? Could you yeah. pull the microphone just a little bit closer? We're struggling to hear you. Is that better? That is better. Thank you.
9: Okay. As I said, the first quarter there was no uh, major events happening in the first quarter uh, to impact the budget. The budget is on schedule to. Uh, in the year positively. It's, it's very, very early in the year. The first quarter ended uh, September 30th. Uh, it was the first three months of the year, July, August, and September. Uh, we are, one of the key things going on right now is the, uh, the audit finding and, and eventually the audit will be finalized and better, better budget numbers will be available once the audit is finalized. Uh, i don't know if you want me to go into all the details that are in this package or if i should just take questions or
2: i, th- I th- so hands are already up so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and start with some questions uh vice
4: president Wood, my understanding is uh vice president Wood has a number of questions so vice president Wood, you have the floor thank you um one of the questions that i um presented um to our uh, finance director had to do with the difference between the budgeted Uh, revenues and the expenditures is expected to be covered by um, American Rescue Act funds. This is a quote that is in the report. Makes it seem like we don't have a balanced budget. Would our budget be balanced without those funds? And if no, what is our projected structural deficit?
9: Well, let me begin by saying that I used a poor choice of words when I said Uh, that the uh, expenditures is expected to be covered by ARPA funds. ARPA funds actually uh, are used to support revenue loss, and those funds actually are general fund money. So it's actually a misnomer for me to call it ARPA fund because it's actually general funds.
4: So yeah
2: so however these these are ARPA funds that have come into our general fund Yes. so the question then becomes if we did not have those dollars would we would we have the revenues essentially to meet our expenditures? The answer is no, I believe the,
9: the answer actually is yes and, and the reason is because uh, the uh, budget surplus that carry over from the begin, from the previous year plus disability fund, those combined would create revenues in ex- excess of $164 yeah. million and the expenditures are budgeted at $155 million. So there would be sufficient funds there.
2: As a follow-up, Councilwoman Spitzel.
6: So that would make, I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my mind. So that would give us, what, $10 million surplus roughly?
9: 8.8.
6: Okay. 8.8. 8. So uh, down here it says uh, ending general fund reserves estimated to be 8.8 8, like you said. Is that correct? So with the ARPA dollars, do you, so since you said the budget would be balanced without the ARPA dollars, are additional ARPA dollars going to the to the general fund reserve, or where are those dollars going to?
1: If I may interject, yes, you're absolutely correct. And I,
6: Which part am I correct about?
1: That the general fund, the ARPA dollars went to reserve to our rainy day funds or our stabilization funds. But I also want to say that the ARPA dollars were for lost revenue during the COVID season. So it is revenue. It is funds that we can use to balance our budget, which we do have a balanced budget.
6: Well, I, I think. It, I think there's a matter of... Opinion of what exactly the ARPA dollars were supposed to be used for. Other communities have used them for other things other than balancing the budget. But having said that, so the eight point eight dollar, eight point eight million dollars, roughly, that we're saying here, ending general fund reserve—that's that's total ARPA dollars, right? So without ARPA, will we have a general fund reserve? No, we still. That's do. what I'm trying to figure out.
1: Yes, yes, yes. We would. Okay. Thank you. And, and, and if I'm just to get back to the out of the $49 million that we did get for ARPA dollars, ARPA funds, $23 million was lost revenue based on our CPA calculations and things like that, which is legit, which is what we could use the funds for in addition to the other guidelines, also.
2: All right, so
4: we are going to pivot back to Vice President Wood. Sorry. Go ahead. No,
5: no, that's
1: that's completely okay.
4: fine. Um, my next question is, do we have any state revenue numbers? I know when we look at um, the summary of revenues, it shows nothing um, there. So do we have any state revenue n- numbers? Our
9: state, our state revenue sharing typically happens in October for the new fiscal year. Uh, so at the time this report was performed, the answer would have been no. Uh, but I'm sure we have some now.
4: Can you get me what those numbers are?
9: I can get them to you at a later time. I can't get them to you right
4: now. Um, Next is if you look at um, under the expenditures, I see that the IRS slash um, ACA bill uh, resolved, there's um, no, nothing there. Do you have an update on that?
9: Under the river, on, yes, under the expenditures, very,
4: this is under net impact on
2: fund
9: balance.
4: Yeah, page
9: five. Oh, I see. I, I have no information on that as of now.
4: All right. Can you get me some information I'll on get that? You that? As well. And is the starting fund balance um, updated with the audit numbers? Negative. No. The positive. answers. No.
9: Yes. That that audit is not final. Uh,
4: this is going back to our previous audit. Is it updated from the previous audit?
9: It, it would be updated from 21. The okay. audit that's going on now is 20 FY22 audit. Correct,
4: I understand that.
9: Yeah.
4: All right. Um, under um, city supported agencies, um, we have a negative number um, in there. Are we saying that we spent all of their budget at this point?
9: Which, which could you repeat that, please?
4: Under non departmental expenditures, city supported agencies, we have a negative number. So, this is page five, non departmental expenditures, item number three. Page
9: five. Oh, right here. Uh, we, we have uh, city supported agents of a negative $1,500.
4: Yeah. So, and are you are you saying that we spent all of those dollars, and we now have a negative? I just can't believe we've issued all those contracts in the first. I,
9: uh, I believe that these numbers are correct. That that we have a negative uh, negative, fifteen hundred. But I can get that to you as well. If, if I, I can, can confirm that.
4: Okay. And then my last question has to do on page six under the EDC and planning. We're saying that we are that we spent ninety-two point nine percent of their budget in the first quarter.
9: Yeah. Uh, these numbers, I I believe, and this is my first time through the cycle, I believe that there were some allocations that have not been performed at the time uh, that this was done. And these al- the, there are some allocations where those budgets get split between other departments, not just that planning department. And those allocations have not been done at the time that this was performed. And that, that's because I, I became aware of the allocations kind of late in the cycle.
4: Well, it's like a breakdown when we look at the other departments we're looking at you know anywhere from 20 to oh 25% this one is 92 so if we could get some information as to
9: well i'll try to as i, I as i said the dollar amounts here uh, Uh, well, I, I think there's an error in, in that percentage, but I, I'll get that get there, that. There to you. is
2: an error in the percentage. The problem is with, the, with EDMP, um, if, you, if you actually do the math, it's 46%. So when you look at actuals yeah. um, in, in terms of actuals versus projected, you're looking at 46%. But you got the same thing uh, going on, I believe, with public services. You have 36% already spent in terms of actuals um, versus projected. Um, and so... I think we're concerned uh, about those two departments and why those are coming in so high so early.
9: And as I said, it, it's, it's because allocations were not performed. So some of those uh, costs should be allocated to different departments. They're not, they're not allocated solely to, that, to departments. They should, be, they should be allocated to other apartments, departments.
2: So when, so when we look at some of these other departments and the fact that they're under that 25% magic number, that's not actually accurate.
9: Well, once the, alloc- once the allocations are performed, they would increase.
2: Uh, okay, thank you, Mayor. Um, we do have a question
10: from Council Member Brown. Thank you, uh, Council President. And uh, that you, you just answered some of my questions. The concern is it seems that the, the data is not, um, and the information is not, not there, I guess, based on what I hear you saying. Okay. Um, it, it seems as though the what we're looking at has some information, I guess, that's not updated, so therefore it skews the rest of the data, so we're looking at an inaccurate document, which is concerning. Um, if there were things, for example, in the uh, economic development planning at 92%, it is not summarized in our report to show that there is an error there. So this, for me, um, looking at it is not an accurate. Uh, I, I would like to see it, you know, it fully put together so then that way we have accurate information for ourselves to make decisions and um, as well as for, you know, the public. Thank you so much.
5: Okay. All
10: right, we do have an additional question from
8: Councilman Garza, go ahead. Thank you, Council President. Thanks for being here tonight, you guys. Um, Just real quick, I noticed on page five, I think it's just an error. It says on the top, it says fiscal year, uh, July of 19 to June 30th of 2022. That, that is indeed an error. Okay, it's supposed to be 21, right? Okay. Now, I guess my only other question is, is that with the, with the large vacancy factor we have here, does that money stay in each individual apartment and they spend it as they see fit or does that go back to the, the general budget, the general fund?
9: Do you want to answer that question? Yeah. Uh, uh, to, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I think the city of Lansing may do things slightly different than what I've been used to other organizations doing. Uh, I can find out exactly what happens.
1: I I will interject here. It does sort of like help the departments with making sure that um, they don't go over budget. Some of them, it's, it's not used. It stays in the general fund. It helps. It's just money that's available just in case they do fill those positions. So it's counted in our general fund.
8: So then they spend
1: the rest of that money? No. No, they do not spend it because it's allocated towards a position. And actually we're looking really closely at that this year or next year with our budget to make sure if those positions have been vacant for a five-year period of time or so, do you need those positions so that we can really uh, get a handle on the vacancy factors.
2: Okay have an
10: additional question from Councilman Brown, and then Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussein. Uh, again, thank you so much for clarifying all of this. Um, you just made a comment that you said you're used, you've been doing things one way, and the city does things different. Could you elaborate on that?
1: This came and- from the state of Michigan. Joe's experience in budgeting was state of Michigan.
10: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so he's got 25 years doing it the way the state of Michigan did it, and so now getting used to. Okay. The city. I
10: didn't know if there was different practices. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And then yeah. the second question was, um, <coughs> you know, we, we said that there was no ARPA funds used to meet the budget, like that we have enough, and then said out of the 49 million that 23 was spent to fill in revenue loss. And so I'm just, can I get clarification on what that means? Uh, because it,
1: it so the first tranche of ARPA funds that we got 2021 20, <laughs> was all designated towards revenue laws. And we had our CPA firm come in and calculate just based on you know income tax, parking, whatever the revenue may have been, how much did the city actually lose. And we have that documentation. We'd we'll be happy to share it with you.
10: I just there's no need for that, but the understanding. Okay. So so in twenty twenty one you we put twenty three million dollars to give us a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. And then this well, year
1: Well we count we count yes, not to balance necessarily then, but to put it back into revenue loss so it's counted as revenue.
10: So then when he's making the comment that we have a balanced budget, you're saying because it's considered revenue, but it's kinda of converted from ARPA dollars to revenue. So
1: we, it's we, revenue.
10: Okay.
1: Uh, it just came from a different source instead of the income taxes. It came from a different source.
10: Okay. Thank you. Do you? Mm. It, do we have it broke down where where the ARPA dollars went for the public? I'm sorry. Do we have it broke down where the ARPA dollars went for the public?
1: Not as yet. Not as yet. Yet the mayor's office will be providing that information.
10: Okay. I
4: think that's important. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Vice President Wood. Quickly, under the vacancy factor, um, we have budgeted um, $700,000 for the vacancy factor. But in the first quarter, we have achieved $757,401. So if you look at that with three more quarters.
9: A lot of vacancies. (laughs) It's not going to multiply.
1: Every year, every quarter? It's
9: gonna be the same, Did I misunderstand your question?
4: So I, I I'm again looking at the number that was projected for our budget yes. of seven hundred thousand. In the first quarter alone, you're saying that we have achieved seven hundred and fifty-seven thousand. Yes. Four hundred and one dollars.
9: Yes. Okay.
4: So we've got three quarters to go, so if you keep that at that basis, how did you come up with the 700000 that you put in there to begin with?
9: Well, the city has, has the, as I looked at the budget the last two years, I know they have used $700,000 as vacancy savings, vac- vacancy factor for budget. It may be even going back even more than the past two years but I only looked at the past two years. That's the number that was used when the FY23 budget was created last year. And I
4: just know that there is every single department is talking about the fact that they don't have enough people. And the idea that just because we haven't filled these positions, we can look at whether we can do away with them or not based on the number, the amount of work that. That is out there that needs to be done, um, you know, is disconcerting. And I understand that HR is working on streamlining the processes to get people hired, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. No,
2: you know, when you look at the vacancy, the number of vacancies is alarming, uh, particularly when you talk about uh, the positions that are there. Um, I, I would love to have human resources back in at some point. We need an update in terms of where we're at with our deputy director where we're at with our recruiter where we're at with the two additional hiring um uh specialists and list goes on because obviously that department supports every other department in, in filling their needs uh and so i was incredibly concerned when i looked at, at that as well um also would like some information at some point about our H- hmis analyst position uh, and the fact that that's been vacant uh, since september of 2021 the question becomes you know, what does that do for the efficacy of that system? Um, because it's so incredibly important when it you know comes to our homeless population documentation and uh, supporting those folks moving forward. So a um, number of questions that I have um, regarding that, uh, that might be better um, served by, I think, bringing in human resources for a, for a later conversation. Um, real quick, with regards to um, our income taxes, if you were to take um, the number that we have um, for first quarter and you were able to, if you were to carry that essentially out over four quarters, um, we'd be taking a look at uh, some $3 million, um, down versus you know what we had projected. Is there any reason to believe that what we experienced in terms of income tax for that first quarter uh, that that was an anomaly? Uh, if so, what is that attributed to?
1: Well, it's the timing. So income taxes are really brought in between January and about May, and then we we sort of slow down, and so that's why the number in this quarter, the first quarter, was low. Um, but no, we always anticipate that, uh, you know, we're looking at our revenue down the road, budget theory, and we'll be fine on the income tax dollars. Okay, I appreciate that. And then the we options. actually, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
9: As far as budget goes, the in- the income tax uh, budget for fiscal year 23 was 37 million, 37.5 million. And in the first quarter, we brought in 8.7 million. That's 23.3% of the budget. So we're on schedule to be uh, uh, not quite the number that you had mentioned, but it's again, as Desiree said, there is a timing issue involved in income taxes.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it might not be as large as that, but we could still have a shortfall. Um, The other piece is with regards to the uh, property taxes, I think that's some $2 million more than what was projected. What do we typically, um, you know, we, Talk a lot about tax appeals. We talk a lot about other adjustments, but we never really it, we never really discussed the, the typical number. Do we lose a lot in terms of tax appeals and in terms of other adjustments, or no? I don't
1: know so that's probably a question for our assessor to tell you about border reviews and how much we lose with things like that when, with adjustments. But you know, we anticipate a five percent increase, a four to five percent increase, but then that increase is eaten up by tax adjustments.
2: Okay, I appreciate that. Do we have other questions? I really appreciate you three being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and with that being said, Vice President Wood, we need a motion to place on file. Uh, I oh, and I'm sorry. Let me stop you real quick. Joe, just before you leave, um, I was asked to uh, just to ensure that uh, we have before, hopefully before next council meeting, uh, the state revenue numbers, if we have them, um, the IRS ACA bills resolved, line item update, uh, as well as the um, Okay, we have information regarding the EDP operating expenses at 92.9%. But then the other one, the question was, why is the city supported agencies' line item a negative number? So if we can just get that information sent on to our offices before our next council meeting, we'd appreciate it. Sure. Okay, thank you so much. Vice President Wood. Thank you. i move to place on file. All right, there's a motion on file, or sorry, there's a motion on the floor. Uh, other questions, comments? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to a resolution. This is a reappointment for Jenny Geis. I do not believe Jenny Geis is in the audience. No, she is not because this is a reappointment. This is for a city of Lansing member capital area transportation authority board, uh, CATA, term to expire September 30th, 2025. You guys do have um, your application, I'm sorry, her application in your council materials. Uh, Very quickly, uh, one of the concerns uh, we had when we took a look at that is that the application was from 2018. Uh, so one of the things our offices did do uh, was contact uh, the administration to ensure that uh, they vetted this particular um, applicant for reappointment, uh, ensure that that individual still met uh, the requirements for the charter. Um, she does, in fact, meet the requirements for the charter. That's the first piece. Second thing, uh, as, it co- as it pertains to reappointments, one of the concerns um, we have, a number of us have, is that a number of our boards and commissions are really struggling to make quorum. Uh, some of them, it's simply because they don't have enough members. But some of them, some of them, it's because they don't have uh, membership that is is actively engaged. Uh, and so, what we also did was we um, took a look at attendance uh, for uh, Miss Geis. Her attendance is actually phenomenal. Um, this past year, she missed one meeting, uh, and obviously, we are wrapping up the year. Um, and I believe she was uh, tardy by a few minutes uh, to a to a few meetings. So, um, I was happy to see that. Um, That being said, uh, again, this is a reappointment. Um, Attendance is good. She does meet the requirements for the charter. So I'm going to turn the
4: floor over to Vice President Wood. Uh, Thank you, President Hussein. I would move the resolution to reappoint Jenny Geis uh, based on the fact that the administration has um, verified that she meets all the charter requirements. All right, there's a motion on the floor. Further discussion?
2: Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to item, uh, let's see, 6F. This is the uh, voter approved sale of city property portion of North Cemetery. We do have Mr. Kuczynski, our parks director with us. Uh, And so very quickly, uh, just as a kind of a refresher, uh, back in August of 2022, uh, voters did actually sell to, I'm sorry, vote to sell the subject property that comprises a portion of North Cemetery uh, located at 845 East Miller Road. Uh, we did, as a city, uh, issue an RFQ. My understanding is we had one uh, res- uh, responsive applicant, and that was from VMG. Um, we've had Ray Garcia, who was the proprietor, uh, in before us, uh, I believe for SLU. Um, in any event, uh, the um, asking price, or the, uh, I should say the purchase price is $8,500. My understanding is it was appraised to $8,000. Um, Also, the proceeds uh, will be used, I think, as actually referenced by uh, Ms. Danaway earlier uh, to uh, make improvements at North Cemetery. Uh, But with that being said, I'll turn the floor over to Mr. Kuczynski.
5: I guess I really have nothing else to add other than that, so I'm ready.
2: All right, so you are here for the questions. Do we have questions, concerns? I am so sorry that you had to sit through all of that just to come up here and have a bunch of people nod their heads at you. But we appreciate you being here
4: and your patience. Uh, Vice President Wood. Um, Thank you. I was just quickly reading the resolution to make sure that in the resolution, it says that the money will go back to North Cemetery because if it isn't in there. I'm sorry, what was your question? I said, I was quickly reading the resolution because if it doesn't say it's going back into North Cemetery. It does. Okay, so It does actually All right. say that. right, we've got it. Yep. All right, okay. thank you. Yep. Uh, with that, I would move the resolution. All right,
2: there's a motion on the floor. for Further discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Uh-huh. Aye. All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to item uh, 6G. So the resolution pertaining to the issuance of sale of voter approved unlimited tax general obligation bonds. For public safety facilities, I do believe, again, we have uh, Ms. Desiree Kirkland. And so that you do have something to discuss, and I don't bring you down here for no reason. I'm actually just going to turn the floor over to you uh, so that you can discuss this item and then we'll
1: entertain questions and answers. Thank you. Actually, like what Brett just did, (laughs) Uh, but just quickly, the resolution is to allow the city to sell uh, the bonds at a fixed rate to fund the public safety project. RFP went out uh, last week uh, uh, from the purchasing department to interested firms to see who would be willing to be an underwriter or purchaser of the issue of the bonds uh, to finance the capital improvement. The RFP is due back on December the 19th. The public safety millage will be on the summer bill July 1, 2023, and we're estimating that it will bring in roughly $10.5 million. It's just an estimated number at this time. Funds will be kept separately, not commingled with other general funds so that we can adequately account for them and make sure everything is taken care of. So that's what I have at this time. I'll entertain any questions if you have any.
2: All right. Do we have questions, comments? Uh, Mr. Spadafore, Councilman Spadafore.
1: Uh, thank you. You mentioned, you said $10 million and 175000000 million. You're going to borrow these in different series. Is that what you're doing? And this yes. is authorized full sale. Yes. You're going to do it when we need it? Okay, thank yes. you. Yes.
4: Other questions, comments? Seeing none, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you. I would move um, the issuance for the um, sale uh, for the public safety facility. And if I'm not mistaken, um, it, this will be on the January 9th. Uh, council meeting so that if there are questions that come up between then and there, we can have those addressed.
2: That is correct. All right, there's a motion on the floor. Further uh, comments, questions and seeing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. That takes us to um, item 6H. Uh, this is an ordinance amending chapter 1300 marijuana operations section 1300.02.04. and also adding section 1300.17. This did come to us from the clerk's office. Uh, Precipitating this uh, were some changes with regards to the state statute. Um, There was a, let's see, a public hearing on uh, November 14th. Um, I was not present at that particular meeting. If you wanna come down, that's fine, just in case there are some questions. Uh, Thank you, uh, Chris. Um, In any event, I did watch the playback. Uh, Didn't uh, seem to have any uh, concerns conveyed at the podium. We did receive one email uh, from a Mrs. Elaine Wombolt um, discussing her opposition uh, to these amendments. Uh, very quickly, um, the, the subject amendments, uh, when we talk about, let's see, 1300.02, what we're doing is adding definitions for marijuana educational uh, research licenses. Uh, this is a, a new license type. We're also expanding the definition of marijuana micro business to include class A, again, which is a new license type. Um, with regard to 1300.04, we're amending the definition of applicant to reflect current state practices. Also, amending insurance requirements to expand access to coverage. 1300.09, we are adding drive-through as permissible, permissible accessory use for marijuana sales. Uh, however, that does have to be approved um, before the uh, the I'm sorry, the zoning office. thirteen hundred point one one assigns educational research facilities to same zoning as safety compliance processors. And secure uh, transporters, which would be industrial mixed use and urban flex, and then also 1300.17 uh, codifies uh, Mayor Shores' 2020-01 executive order uh, that dealt with policies and procedures. Sorry, uh, for temporary marijuana events. Um, and so, with that, I don't know if there are questions or are comments uh, for the clerk's office before I turn the floor over to Vice President Wood, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley.
6: Thank you, Mr. President. I just have a quick question. Have we issued all of the licenses or are we still in appeals or are we still, what's the status?
7: Uh, we, we have issued um,
9: all of the licenses, all for micro businesses. Um, so uh, none of them have opened yet. Uh, there is a potential, I guess, that they could request to switch types.
6: The, for, and so for all the other ones as well, are we pretty much full? Yes. That's all I needed to know. Thank you.
2: Councilman. <clears throat> Sorry, Councilman Daniels. Thank you, President Hussein. Are there people
9: who have licenses who are just sitting on them rather than actually using them? The, uh, there are several in the uh, previous change that uh, we had Council adopt. We set some time limits, so we are working through those and uh, getting locations to open or uh, step aside.
2: Perfect. Thank you. All right. Do we have
9: other questions
4: or comments? Seeing none, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussain. I would move the ordinance uh, forward for a vote this evening.
2: All right, there is a motion on the floor for the discussion, seeing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same side. Nay. Motion carries. That takes us to item seven, other. Uh, and Before I turn the floor over to Vice President Wood uh, to read the language uh, into the record, um, just very quickly for those folks that are in the audience and at home, uh, we are very, very close uh, to the seven o'clock hour. Uh, We do have a closed session, and then we're going to look at the uh, ratification of uh, two contracts. Uh, And so we are a bit away um, still uh, from city council, but as soon as we are uh, done with closed session, we'll come back out. Uh, We will entertain these two resolutions. Uh, We will convene. I'm sorry, we will adjourn, and then uh, hopefully we can begin our city council meeting five to ten minutes after that. So with that being said, Vice President Wood.
4: Thank you, President Hussein. Pursuant to MCL 15 Point 268, uh, paraphrase C of the Open Meetings Act, I um, hereby move that we recess into closed session for strategies and negotiation sessions connected with the uh, negotiations of collected bargaining between the City of Lansing, the Capital City Labor um, Inc, non supervisory unit, the Lansing um, City Unit Local 2256, of the United Auto Workers, as requested by the city, and that the following people also be included in the closed session: Elizabeth O'Leary, um, Joe McClure, Rob Beckus, Chief Soulsby, Courtney Roberts, and Mark Lawrence.
2: All right. There is a motion on the floor. Further discussion. Seeing, not clerk vote. Please take the roll.
3: Councilmember Wood. Yes. Councilmember Spadford. Yeah. Councilmember Spitzley. Yeah. Councilmember Daniels. Yes. Councilmember Jackson? No. Councilmember Brown? Yes. Councilmember Garza? Yes. Councilmember Hussein? Yes. Motion carries 7 1.
2: All right, we're going to go ahead and bring the meeting back to order. We do have two resolutions that we need to consider. Um, The first is a resolution for the ratification of the CCLP Non Supervisory Collective. Bargaining, bargaining agreement that will run from July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2026. Vice
4: President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Uh, this is for our non-supervisory um, patrol units. This uh, is for 146 employees. It is a four-year contract. Uh, the first year is 3% increase. Uh, the second year is a 3% increase. third year is a increase and the fourth here is a wage opener. Uh, With that, I would move the um, approval of the uh, resolution so it's on the agenda this evening. All right, there's a motion on the floor. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in
2: favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries and that takes us to um, item K, resolution ratification of UAW 2256, collective bargaining agreement Uh, for a time period from October 1st, 2022 through September 30th, 2026, Vice President Wood.
4: Thank you, President Hussein. This is also a four-year contract. This is affecting 172 full-time employees. Uh, The first year is a three-year or 3% um, increase. Second year is a 3% increase. Third year is a 2.5 increase and the fourth year is a wage opener. So with that, I would move the resolution uh, so that it's on the agenda this evening for uh, passage.
2: All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And I'm looking very quickly before we adjourn and my council colleagues, do we need five minutes, ten minutes? What is the pleasure of the body? Five. five? Okay, we will um, adjourn and city council will be convened at about 7.20. All right.